the hardest thing about this podcast is getting it going because I'm not experienced with this. I used to always kind of envision and dream of doing something like this when I was a kid, but actually trying to do it and do it mostly by myself is has been much more of a challenge than I first um, uh, figured it would be, I guess. <clears throat> so, welcome to the Voice of TBI podcast, episode two. My name is Cameron Fatower, and I had a serious brain injury, and now I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I can try and give back to others because I've noticed that a lot of people that have serious brain injuries or people that have head injuries in general, they, they if they do get better, if they do kind of in a sense move on with their life, they do move on with their life. They don't, they don't go back and like rehash everything. Uh, at least they don't tend to do that. They might keep saying, oh, well, it used to be like that. But, but it's not generally the case. Usually when someone, people want to move on and that's understandable. And so for me to kind of go back and I'm going to basically tell you everything. I'm going to try to, uh, go through my worst times, go through my best times, uh, go through the, the ugly times. It's just, I'm going to just be honest with you about my experience and, um, and the Lord has brought me to a point where I'm able to do that for you uh, better than I, I was when I first started this organization in 2017, five years ago. So today, <coughs> excuse me, we're going to talk about, okay, so let me explain. Uh, I, so I have over 100 pages of material that I've kind of written over the years during ever since the injury, I've just kind of gathered all this information and I thought uh, putting it all together and, and kind of organizing it would be good. So then I could do these podcasts fairly um, without much resistance, I guess, because I already kind of have this stuff material prepared, but I don't really want to just read my stuff to you. I want to talk about it with you. So, so I will read, thing a lot I will read a lot but I will try to comment and and talk about it ideally what will happen with this podcast is people will people will um will do like a chat room or people will call in and and I would love to get questions like because just me talking to this screen and talking to this microphone and my computer it's it's rather boring and it's rather uh, it's un, uh, uninviting. Uh, that's not the word. Uh, it, it's unprov unprovocative. It, it doesn't get me going. I love people. I'm, I'm a people person. That's how I'm wired. And I, I really feed off the energy other people give me. And so doing a Q&A type style uh, would be awesome. And I hope if we can get enough people interested in the podcast, we'd be able to do that. Okay. So, uh, I promised that these podcasts would have a uh, recovery tip, like um, some special, I, I called it a pro tip. Uh, I mean, I'm because I already recorded one of these, and I don't think I'm going to make it into the second episode like I'm doing for this one, but who knows? Uh, and in the other episode that I'm referring to, which you don't know about, I, I was talking about these uh, 
recovery tips that I'm going to provide in each episode. And some of them are simple, others are more complicated. Um, but for example, here's one of the recovery tips. You could call it pro tips, but I'm not a professional TBI recoverer, so I, I wouldn't call it that. But you could call it a pro tip if you want to. Recovery tip for today is to take cold showers. <clears throat> take cold showers. I'm not the first one to recommend this idea. I think it's called cryotherapy, uh, where, where people just immerse themselves in freezing cold water. And it's therapeutic, it, it's healing, it's uh, restorative. And uh, a way to do that without having to jump into the Arctic Ocean is to just wake up in the morning and hop into the coldest shower that you can. Just jump right in. The best thing to do is to jump into the cold shower and not not build your way up to it because you're, you're losing the effects. The effect is is the hormones and the, the chemicals that are released in your body to get you warm again. So that's what is, is helpful and, and therapeutic for people. Uh, there are studies out there that talk about people uh, doing cryotherapy, doing um, these cold showers, uh, having like a 40, 20 to 40% reduction in uh, sick days for work. Um, that was just one of the studies I saw. So people just getting sick less because they're doing these cold showers. So so uh, it's relevant to a TBI in the sense that it's just good to to do what you can. Like It's a very simple thing. It's just a, it's a mental thing. I mean, I've been doing cold showers uh, for the last probably a hundred and hundred some days. Uh, I, I haven't always done it, but I, I've been really consistent about doing it now. And, and I, I've noticed uh, it, what I like about it is it wakes me up in the morning and, uh, but, but I do notice the challenge right before I get in, there's always that mental like, Oh, I don't want to get in. Oh, I don't want to get in. You just got to do it and you do it. And, uh, it's like crazy in the beginning, but after like 20 seconds, your body just adjusts and you, you kind of just, it just feels okay. And it kind of speeds things along too, because you're kind of trying to get out of the really cold shower. So, uh, which can help you get the day going better. So that's, that's the recovery tip for today. Uh, taking cold showers, give it a try. And if you can't do it, um, don't worry about it. But it's, it's just something to keep in mind. So, now, today's episode, <coughs> excuse me, is called Fight or Flight. Now, often when you hear that, that term, fight or flight, you often think of fear, um, and I think it has to do with, um, I don't remember what field of study it is, but uh, I think it's the amygdala. The amygdala, uh, it, it's lower part of your brain, uh, and it's it controls your fight or flight. I believe that's that's what it is. And so when, when you're in a, a serious situation and uh, there, there's fear involved and there's a threat, the question is, do your, your amygdala will decide whether you should fight or flight. Now, I'm using that, that term, that terminology, to specifically refer to 
uh, our tendency to leave something because we're uncomfortable with it. And, and that's a problem. So fight or flight uh, is getting at how instead of, instead of running from discomfort, we might consider fighting against our discomfort or fighting through our discomfort. Maybe not against it, but through it uh, instead of flight. The tendency is for us to, we're in an uncomfortable situation. We're around people we're not comfortable with. We're at a place we're not comfortable or, or familiar with. And so the tendency is to flee that situ situation, to flee that discomfort. And the problem with this uh, is primarily that, uh, is that we don't get anywhere. We never improve. We never learn. We never have a place to call home because we're always in a process of fleeing discomfort. Now, there's, of course, exceptions when you should flee, when you should run from what makes you uncomfortable uh, because some things really should make you uncomfortable. If, if someone is, I mean, I don't, I don't like certain terms that, that people like to use, but the, the word toxic, like if someone is, is toxic in the sense that they are uh, damaging to your soul, to your spirit, to your person uh, by being around them. And not just one time, but, but like you're consistently around this person and they make you feel small. They make you feel terrible. They make you feel insecure. Like that's a reasonable reason to depart, to flight, to take flight, to flee. Um, so I'll read some of this. Uh, the main point is to stay somewhere, stay somewhere, plant your flag down somewhere. Uh, that's my encouragement to you is to find a place to call home and to stay there. Um, and, and so not just a geographical location, but also, um, uh, relationships, relationships, um, vocations, um, occupation, um, uh, clubs, organizations, these things, find that and stick with it. So staying somewhere, same church, same spouse, um, what this does is it creates more knowledge because the more you're around something, the more you know it. And the better you know something, the more comfortable you are with it. Because a lot of fear arises out of a lack of knowledge. So we are afraid of that which we do not know. That's why going into the dark is, as a child, it's terrifying because, because you can't see anything. And if you can't see anything, you don't know anything. Uh, unless you're in a place, like as an adult, or we go into the basement and it's dark and we're not as freaked out by it because we've been in the basement during the light. Um, I mean, that's not a great example of what I'm, I'm saying, but I think you get the point. Um, but you think of the reversal of this. Okay. So the reversal is when uh, you do something you shouldn't do um, or, or you, you talk to people that you shouldn't talk to um, well, that, that's not really good either. Uh, let me. So anyway, the less you know, the more you fear and the more you fear, the less you know. 
the more you know, the less you fear, and the less you fear, the more you know. So, people that aren't afraid of anything are not necessarily people who know everything. Sometimes they're, they're actually, uh, so, so it's not a bright line rule. It's not just because you know a lot of things doesn't mean you're not afraid. Um, I think, but, but that seems to be the tendency, that seems to be the, the reality that most of us deal with, is that we are afraid of that which we do not know. Um, I think about, like when I moved into the house I live in now, this is the longest home Chelsea and I have lived in. Uh, we've been here for over, um, almost, it's almost been three years. We've moved over seven times, we've moved seven times in the last six years of marriage. And so we've never planted our flag down. So that's why I like, I, I feel equipped to speak on this issue because I, I realized the benefits of just staying somewhere. And it's just, it's been incredible. And I've just missed out on it because I moved around so much. And that's a young person's tendency. We live in a culture, we live in a world, we live in a time period in which people can just, if you just don't like being somewhere, you can just pack up and move away tomorrow like you can just get a flight and and pack all your stuff and just leave like that for most of human history that's not been the case you couldn't leave your village because if you left your village you didn't know what was out there because there wasn't google maps you didn't know if there was anything out there because there was no there's no internet there's no there's no communication from the outside it's just you have what you have and you accept what you have to accept. And and so the mobility of modernity has emboldened our spirits to, to just uh, run away, to flee when we're just, we just don't like it here anymore. We don't like it. We don't like being around these people anymore. We don't like that job anymore. We don't, and again, this is just, I'm just speaking in general terms because there's always exceptions. There's almost always exceptions. So, <clears throat> so uh, another way to, so by fear, so you know less stuff, the more you fear. Um, but it's not just fear, because fear is kind of mixed in with anxiety. So, so anxiety is, is part of fear, and fear is part of anxiety. And so uh, I like to use what my friend, who's a kindergarten teacher, uh, calls uh, she calls it purple words. It's just uh, the kindergarten way of referring to big words. And so I, I use purple purple words. I use big words not because I'm trying to show off or trying to impress anybody or or any reason at all except for the fact that I, I've learned a lot because of these words. And these words um, reflect that I, I've learned a lot. I, I don't, maybe uh, that's a way to put it. So uh, what, I, what I was going to say is that Anxiety, anxiety comes from a hollow epistemology. So episteme is, in, I believe it's Latin for uh, knowledge. If I'm wrong, yes, it's got to be Latin. So almost all of the English language is derived from Latin anyway. So, uh, so episteme is knowledge and ology. Every time you see ology, it's referring to the study of something. So knowledge, study of knowledge, epistemology. So anxiety flows from a hollow epistemology. Um, so we we are afraid of and we have anxiety over things that we don't know. And 
you will not know things, uh, sorry, you will have anxiety in your life if you're just continually running from that which makes you uncomfortable. If you don't face up to the discomfort and own it and be like, yeah, I'm uncomfortable, but I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay in this club. I'm going to stay at this church. I'm going to stay with this with this significant other, with this spouse. I'm going to stay here even though it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> One, because you probably should. And two, because it will actually... Uh, strengthen me. It will actually make me better. It will actually make me less fearful, less anxious. I'll be more comfortable by sticking around. Uh, and so, and so, I mean, this is a good example of how, like, like God, he tells us uh, in the scriptures to, um, like, to love and to do these things and, and to, to honor our commitments, to keep our, our word and those kind of things. And it's, uh, and like, again, marriage is a great example, like sticking with your spouse through thick and thin. The reason you have the wedding vows is so you're making a commitment, a covenant with another person. And so this is just an example, a simple example, uh, one we don't think of, but it's an example of how that, that commitment to another person is actually in our best interest. It's in our best interest because... Think about adultery or, or uh, affairs and uh, th those kind of things. Normally, what the reason that happens is because, not because the other person has so much knowledge of the mistress or so much knowledge of the, the, the I don't know what the male um, adulterer is called, uh, the mister. I don't know. Um, not because the other the other person knows so much about the mistress or the other person. It's because they don't know anything about that person. That's why the adultery happens. That's why the affair happens. It happens because there's no knowledge. It's all mental. It's all fan fantasy. And so that leads to the adultery and that leads to the the affair and and what does that all lead to that leads to a lot of pain a lot of brokenness a lot of broken trust and a whole load of issues and, and so what we see in that scenario is is how a lack of knowledge is is in both cases a problem but if you would stick with the marriage if you'd stick with the person you've committed your life to then and you push through the discomfort you push through those things you might actually gain something and you will gain something uh, that will far surpass all the fantasies in the world that will far surpass the discomfort of the present moment and give you a lifetime of of blessing and um, happiness and joy uh, because you'll know that person more uh, i've said it before but marriage is the one it's the primary relationship on earth where we have an, an opportunity to really know somebody marriage is the one relationship on earth where you really have an opportunity to know somebody because 
a good example of this is is me. Me. So you guys, anybody listening to this, none of you know me as well as my wife knows me. As well as Chelsea Fatower knows me. As well as she knows me. Uh, nobody knows knows me as well as she does. And And so for her to know me as well as she does, and for her to stay committed to me and love me is is incredible because i i i'm not perfect i i i i do weird i just yeah i'm just i'm 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 a human and so so but chelsea's still committed to me and and so that's amazing and but but our openness with one another our vulnerability with one another uh, is what it's what brings in more, it, it opens up more room for knowledge. A lot of people have miserable marriages because they aren't, they don't really know each other. And they don't know each other for a lot of reasons. Um, but but now I'm kind of, like, we're definite, definitely going to talk about marriage and talk about relationships because I, I think that's a huge part of a, a TBI recovery is relationships especially uh, uh, spouses if they're involved and uh, but I was just trying to give you an example of, of how knowledge uh, is is the foundation for peace and, and, and peace uh, and so anxiety flows from a lack of knowledge a hollow epistemology why is this so this is also because the brain loves the familiar so the brain loves the familiar it loves what it knows uh, hence why when you you go you go to uh like a, an area in which you grew up in okay um and as long as it's you know not totally trashed and um you know ruined if most of the stuff is there and you, you see the ice cream shop you liked going to as a kid, you see the, the, the gas station you used to ride your bike uh, around, or you see, I don't know, you, you see stuff. You see stuff that you remember as a kid. So it brings, a, a they call it like deja vu, but it brings a kind of, not, not de, sorry, it's not deja vu, that, that's different, but it brings a kind of pleasure because it, it brings back memories and it brings back the familiar and the brain loves the familiar and so you're you're afraid of that which you're not familiar with and um, you're not familiar with it because you don't know it so do you see how it's all connected do you see how how fear arises out of a lack of knowledge and a lack of knowledge comes from not being familiar with something and you're not familiar with it because you don't know it and because you don't know it you're afraid of it <clears throat> what else do we have here? I mean, this is actually really good because we've only, we've only gotten, I've only gotten to like the third sentence. And this is, this is, um, there's about 70 more sentences ahead of this. Uh, but we're obviously probably not going to finish it. Although I, I haven't really, really decided how long these podcasts will be and and now I have to comment on this. So I'm in my basement recording these. My my four three and under children are sleeping above me. 
And so I'm recording this in the evening um, because they're sleeping. If not, you'd hear them. Uh, But anyway, so this, this is just a sheet. I don't want to show you what's behind the sheet because it's it's rather embarrassing. Um, But, you know, when I had this idea and it would be this perfect white background and it's white, obviously, but there's all these wrinkles and I'm not going to take the, I mean, I might, but I probably won't take the time to de-wrinkle these things and take an iron, an iron which, who, who knows how to use an iron these days? I mean, uh, everything we buy is like, um, uh, it doesn't need to be ironed. There's a faster way to say that. Um, um, uh, what, what's, the, what's the word? Um, non-wrinkleable. I don't know. I, I can't think of it right now. Anyway, I just wanted to comment on the obvious that, yes, I know, I know the background is wrinkled, but we're going to roll with it. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so the brain likes the familiar. We're going to talk about that more in the days ahead. Um, so the brain likes the familiar The quicker you plant your flag down, the quicker you'll find comfort. There's a tendency, especially in today's youth, to live in this constant state of transition. If you don't like your job, you find another one. That's not so much of a problem, but it could be if you keep job hopping, right? For no apparent reason other than discomfort. Maybe you'd be more comfortable in the same job if you just stuck around for a few more weeks. Just something to consider. Because, again, the reason it's a problem to run from discomfort is because you're not really running from anything. You're running from everything in in your head, the, the stuff that you've created in your brain. But you're not running from the actual situation you think you're running from. And... And I'll explain what I mean uh, by that later on, because I, I want to repeat exactly what I, I wrote down here. So, um, Another example of this is leaving a church because of some problems you have there. Maybe you're not connecting, maybe you have some co- co- sorry complaints about the preaching, or etc. Excuse me. Excuse me. Again, As with staying with employment, maybe you need to wait it out. Try new ways to get connected. Meet with the pastor to discuss concerns about the preaching, etc. You can't, this this is the point, okay. You can't get out of something you were never in. Okay, I'll say it again. You can't get out of something you were never in. For example, I'll tell my my three-year-old Scarlett, to eat her food, and she'll say, I don't like it. That's what she'll say. I don't like it. And I'll respond as the adult, you haven't even tried the food. You haven't even tried it. She says, I don't like it. Adult says, you haven't even tried it. It is silly and at times foolish to say you don't like something you haven't tried. Pause. I've done this. Uh, I know you have too. We've all done it, okay? So, I, uh, like, I, I was at the, the law law firm at the office the other day, 
for, for lunch and the the ladies and at times Sam, they like to make us lunch a few times a week. It's really, really special. Very, very blessed. Um, but Sam was making uh, these burgers or, or something and he's, he asked me if I want sauerkraut on my my burger and I said I said no no thank you and he's like what kind of guy with the last name of fat hour doesn't want sauerkraut on his burger I think it was a burger but anyway and I'm like I just don't want that and it's not because I've tried sauerkraut I mean I probably have I think I have but the reason is because of just the texture and the look, and I just, I just don't like it, and I haven't actually tried it, so I can't really say I don't like it, and that's kind of what I'm getting at here. Um, it's silly and at times foolish to say you don't like something you haven't tried, so fight the desire for flight. Spend a little more time in the job. Spend a little more time in that church. Spend a little more time in your neighborhood. Spend a little more time on those good habits. Assuming there are no real problems with that job, church, neighborhood, most of the most of the time, you will learn to love it. You'll learn to love those people you thought you didn't like. I mean, the way things appear when you first encounter them are not the way they will appear the there's got to be some study on this, but not the way it'll appear the, the 15th time you are around that, the, that stimulus, that environment, that those people. Another example of this is when I, so when I moved here, and I think I was trying to say this earlier, but when I, when Chelsea and I moved here at this house, I remember seeing the house online and it was, we were, we were amazed at the house. You know, sorry, mate allergies uh the fall weather I, I love the fall the fall redeems the midwest the fall redeems the midwest i'll say it again the fall redeem fall weather redeems the midwest like yeah summers aren't that great here uh, i don't mind the winters I, I like winter actually but a lot of people don't uh, but the fall redeems the midwest it's so good here in the fall uh, it's so beautiful and the weather's so perfect and everything's just so great now, although you you start getting the the flu and all that stuff, um, and that's not fun. But besides that, the fall redeems the Midwest. But anyway, the change in the weather and living where I live uh, in the, it's called the Ohio Valley uh, means my allergies are just terrible. And so sometimes it's terrible, sometimes it's not. But anyway, so that's why I'm kind of stuffy right now, and I apologize. When I play back the audio on this and I hear how nasally I sound, that will be a delight. So, but what I was getting at is that when we saw the house on Zillow, we were like, wow, this is beautiful, or we'd love to get this house. So I remember pulling into the neighborhood for the first time. I had never been in this area ever in my life. And I remember what it looked like. When I first, you know, first went to the house, first parked on the side of the road to go to the house, I remember distinctly what it looked like then, what everything felt like, what it all looked like then. 
And now, when I go to that same spot, you know, every day after work or every day, uh, I leave in the morning, it doesn't look anything close to what it looked like when I first saw it. It's like, it's like the image completely changed. And it, it's not because the environment changed. Not at all. I mean, there weren't any like new houses built in that area. Nothing environmentally changed. What changed is, is my, my attitude and my perspective and my knowledge of my neighborhood. Once I learned more about it, the image of my neighborhood where I live, it changed. And it changed in a manner in which I'm more comfortable. I'm not as not as anxious. I, I, I'm more comfortable where I'm at. And so the image changes. And, excuse me. So, what else is here? So, don't leave the job. Don't leave the girl. Don't leave, don't leave the spouse. Don't leave, don't leave your, yeah, your commitments. Uh, the church, um, your club, whatever it is, don't leave it too soon. Maybe just wait it out, unless you have an actual reason, like your 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 life is in jeopardy or something. Um, there's there's somebody, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. If there's an actual valid reason to leave something, by all means, leave it. But I'm just harping on the tendency of leaving something just because it makes you uncomfortable or you don't feel like you fit in or those kind of things. So uh, another big point of this is that the brain loves what it actually knows. I said it before, the brain loves the familiar uh, and the familiar is that which it knows. So the brain loves what it actually knows. And I have the example of going back to your childhood home which I just, I talked about earlier. Um, sometimes though, I didn't say this, uh, childhood home uh, brings back bad memories. And so uh, sometimes the familiar can become corrupted. Uh, the familiar, uh, all knowledge is corruptible knowledge. It's corruptible, it can, it can become bad. And sometimes we know of just bad things. And so um, just because just cause you know something doesn't guarantee Comfort doesn't guarantee, um, but in the context of what I'm talking about, it, it does. Um, I'm talking about just making sure that you're not leaving something uh, that you haven't actually gained any knowledge about. You haven't actually st stuck around to actually make a, a rational decision to depart. So I hope there is a building, a park, or a location on this earth that brings back good memories for you. Um, and it brings back these good memories because you knew the place and you knew it in a positive light. But getting to the point where you can look look back at pictures of, of, of things you did a long time ago or, or those good memories, they're good memories because you stuck around most of the time. Or the people you're with you, you like, you like knew them or, or you were just having a good, there's, you don't always have to know people to have a good time, but, um, usually the people you have the best times with are the people you actually know. So 
that's what makes the good memory. That's what makes the good is, is the knowledge that accompanies uh, the memory. And that's, and that's part of why you remember it. You remember it because you know it. And you remember it in a positive way because, uh, again, the, the knowledge element is just all over the place. It's, it's all interconnected here. But again, getting to this point requires that you resist the, the desire to flee into the flight instinct. Just because something is uncomfortable does not mean it is a bad thing. The badness of something is not determined by how it makes you feel. Right? What makes something bad isn't Like arsenic, okay? Arsenic, it, it's a, it'll kill you if you ingest it. Just because you see some arsenic and and you and for some reason it makes you feel good to be around the arsenic and you just you want to eat it, that doesn't mean it is good. So just because it feels a certain way doesn't mean it it, it is that way. So. The rightness of something does not depend on how much comfort it brings. So you can think of it in the reverse. So the badness of something does not depend on, on how much comfort it brings, and nor does the goodness of something depend on how much comfort it brings. Quite often, the things that make us uncomfortable are the things most helpful. Great example, very simple example of this is... Um, Wait, uh, now I can't. I'm trying to think of how that. Um, yeah, um, I used to enjoy lifting weights in high school, and the coach, he would always, um, I don't know if it was coaches, probably just the other people, like the football players. I, I didn't play football in high school, but um, there were football players lifting weights with me and stuff. But anyway, there was a phrase people used. And they still use it today. And that's no pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. Um, and I know, I, I'm sure of it, most of us have experienced this where you you exert yourself towards something, towards a goal, towards the prize. And once you get it, once you, like, like once you get to the top of the hill, that you just ran up all that hill, uh, like, once you get to that point, there's a, a reward, there, there's a, a rush uh, that, that accompanies the victory, that accompanies um, the overcoming. So it's not it's not comfortable to run a marathon. No, I don't think anybody would say it's comfortable to run a marathon. But having run a marathon, not, I'm not referring to myself, but if I had run a mar marathon, uh, the reward of, of, of doing that uh, and the rush of, of doing such a thing would, would be uh, it, I mean, part that's part of the reason people do it is because it's such a it's such an accomplishment, and it, and it brings about an immense reward. And so, if you take flight and leave a group, community, school, or organization of some kind, you will not reap the benefits of that organization. In general, leave when you know what you are leaving. 
and why you are leaving. Okay, so if it is purely based on comfort or happiness, maybe you should wait it out a bit longer. Fight instead of flight. So, so fight through the discomfort um, and then make a reasonable assessment of the situation. Like, okay, here's why I'm going to stay. Here's why I'm going to leave. And, and then do as you please. Now let's consider the difference between childhood and adulthood. The difference between childhood and adulthood, among other things, is that the flight option is available to the adult and typically not available to the child. So the only option for the child is fight. Even if the child does not like the school or church he finds himself in, there is no option for escape. Hold on, let me get a drink. It is either fight or get fought. So, so the kid's in school and it, he doesn't really have much of a say on whether he wants to stay in the school or leave the school. I mean, some kids do, but, but especially young kids, they don't usually have much of a choice. So I use the word fight in reference to fighting against discomfort. So again, fight or flight, I'm not really referring to the amygdala situation where it's like, oh, emergency situation where you need to either fight or flight. Fight or flee. I do not intend by the word fight to commend or imply the idea that one should actually take up arms and physically fight other people or objects. The fight here is against the mental and spirit, spiritual desires that seek to pull you down, that seek to keep you where you are. Children have to stay wherever they are placed by their parents. They are, they are, like, especially really young, like, infant, toddler children. They are utterly and completely dependent creatures. And any parent of a toddler will agree with that assessment. And they know it firsthand how needy the toddler is. And so their fight or flight options are few and far between. Thus, patience and endurance is practically forced upon the child. The first few weeks of dropping my two-year-old, my two-year-olds, plural, because, you know, they're triplets, at church were rough. They would all cry. They're two-year-olds now, but they were much younger when we took them to church. They would, they would all cry when we dropped them off for church. But now, they no longer cry. They have learned to love it there. The flight option was not available to them. They stayed and learned. They stayed and learned. They learned to love it. It became more familiar to them, thus more comfortable for them. Again, you see the knowledge. They, they started to know the place more, that it was safe and it was okay and it was actually enjoyable. So it became comfortable for them to be there. The initial impulse to take flight is not always a valid impulse. Again, fight the impulse and see and try whatever is before you. One of the most, most important concepts to learn and live out is that of acceptance. This is not acceptance in the sense that you do not make judgments and evaluations about the world around you. 
this is acceptance in the sense that you take that you take fight and not fight that you fight against your discomfort instead of running from your problems you accept them and deal with them instead of running from discomfort you act patiently and accept your feelings knowing that they do not rule the day for you what should rule the day is what you know and how little we actually know. Muggeridge, Malcolm Muggeridge said, uh, he, he was a, a late convert to Christianity uh, in the 20th century. He said, if I could understand a grain of sand, I should understand everything. The longer you stay in a place, the longer you stay with a person, the longer you stay in stick around anything, an organization, a group, a, a job, a, a hobby, the better you understand it. This is not holistic understanding, of course, but it is practical understanding and it provides a, a bedding of comfort uh, having uh, the knowing, having the knowledge of that thing. We made it through. We made it through the material for this episode. And I'm not sure how I want to do this, but I think it'd be cool if we did an episode. And then, then the next week, we did a Q&A about that episode. And uh, yeah, so, so if you have any ideas on that, um, let me know. Put a comment on this page. I really only use Facebook. Um, I mean, I, I use I use other things, but I, I mean, I don't use Twitter or Instagram or any of those things. But I'm just my social media outlet is mainly Facebook. So I'll post this on Facebook. I'll post this on YouTube, and I'll post this on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. So you can make your comment in any of those places. Again, sorry, my allergies. I'm sounding more and more nasally as the evening, um, you know, takes over. Um, but yeah, so just put a comment on there. Uh, share this with, with people. Um, get the word out there for me. And, uh, but then, uh, see, I'm, I'm blanking. Uh, so then, guys, make the comment, you write a comment, and then, yeah, we will, we'll figure out where to go from there, and, yeah, because it'd be much more manageable uh, for me to be able to do this more if we did, like, Q&A type stuff, and I could just um, talk with you about answer your questions as I as I can so yeah thank you and I uh, I really pray and uh, desire to be uh, what I can be uh, that's good and true and and 
helpful for you and um, people with these injuries and people caring for those that have these injuries. And I want to be an encouragement and I want to be a support. So if you have any idea on how I can do better or ideas for the show, uh, let me know. And uh, again, you can make a comment or you can email me at Cameron, C-A-M-E-R-O-N, at voiceoftbi.com. And I will be sure to get back to you and we'll see what we can do. And uh, God bless you all. Thank you.